Welcome to an episode where we teach you how to constrain your entire life into a limitation of a deadline. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> We're going to talk about constraints in this episode. We're also going to talk about limitations. We're also going to talk about deadlines. We're basically going to talk about how applying boundaries to your life, time, resources, all types of things. It's going to actually help you be more creative, be more productive, and do what you want to do. It's really one of the things I think is a superpower of my own is having these like built Not in. Not to, to your own age. Well, no, but horn. just to let people know. Like if they're looking yeah. at me, like, no, I bet that guy very has superpowers. And I can tell you, it's so constraints. Possibly listening slash watching this episode will have your superpower rub off on them. And now you're going to go and just like create all the things that you want to create. Also, stay to the end if you want to hear us talk about earthworms. And you can learn so much today. One of the best segments we've ever had. Hey there, we're Jason and Caroline Zook, a husband and wife team who believes life is just one big experiment. This is the show where we share our journey as we figure out this ever-changing thing called life. We cover topics like running a business, traveling the world, and clawing our way out of debt, all with the hope of inspiring you to live, work, and create with more intention. Life might bring its twists and turns, but when you know who you are and what you want, you're never really lost. Welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. It's another episode of Wandering Aimfully, the show, and the clock starts meow, aka <laughs> now. If you haven't been watching our previous couple of episodes or listening, uh, we have a little timer now to try and keep ourselves a little bit shorter, a little bit more succinct. Ha- hashtag, you're welcome. <laughs> For those of you that are like, I cannot carve out two hours of my yeah. week to listen to you yahoos. So let's jump right into it because this is a very metaphorical example of this week's episode. Wow, babe. Did you think of that all by yourself? No, I looked it up. I'm good. Yeah. Go ahead. What is this episode about? This episode's about constraints. Yes. So tell the people at home what you mean by constraints. We're going to lump constraints, limitations, and deadlines into one category Mm -hmm. this week. Any type of like boundary, I feel. We find these to be very helpful for us in our life. And I actually didn't really notice that it was a thing that we did until I did some freelance writing for the crew blog a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. And one of the articles that the editor, Jory, who was my editor, asked me to write about was constraints and the power of them. Cause he was like, I see you as like a very disciplined person and you get a lot of things done. You get a lot of projects out of the world. You get a lot of things written. And that applies to both of us. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I would imagine that only happens because you constrain the amount of time you can spend on things. And I never really thought about it. I think my practical brain just did that. Just does that. And that is, I think it's a superpower. I think it's a superpower that we both have. I think it's in in a lot of ways. You're being very generous to me right now. Well, that's what I try and do I've, on the show. It does not come naturally to me. I've cultivated it be- exactly. because I've seen it work so well for you. Yeah. So I think that that's something that has You're rubbed like off. You're like Batman. So I'm like Superman where I was born a Kryptonian yeah. and I have the limitation powers. I can shoot discipline out of my eyeballs. I can bust through tall buildings with my constraints. You're like Batman where you fell off the horse. You I fell need, down I into need the, the cave. Mobile. You need people to help you. You had to grow as a superhero. But you've become pretty I mean, formidable even though you have no powers. I've been in the gym. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I've been working out. I'm a little bit upset that in this metaphor, I'm Ben Affleck and you're Henry well, Cavill. That's actually what I was just going to ask you. Which... Uh, Batman, would you like to be? I actually kind of think of you more as a Michael Keaton Batman. Thank you. Um, the <laughs> best Batman. Also was the skinniest Batman of all time. He's the best Batman. Yeah. He's not. I mean, I like Christian Bale. I think Christian, Christian Bale is the best yeah. Batman. I must say Christian Hale. Who's that? I don't know. Person you just <gasps> made up. Claire Hale. Okay. This is what. <laughs> is House happening. of Cards? Yeah. Oh, okay. So anyway, that's what my brain was yeah. saying. Um, 
I love that. Yeah. It doesn't come naturally to me, but I work on it because constraints are that powerful. Yeah. So I think where we can start with this okay. is, is there a project, um, a thing or any type of work that you've done that comes to mind where constraints were so powerful for you to get that thing done? Well, I think the the one that instantly stands out to me is the abstract affirmations project. Correct. You, you thought of yeah, it and yeah. you're like, what is yeah. it? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So in 2016, for those of you that don't know, I well, late 2015, I decided I wanted to be a painter that I wanted to work in acrylic painting and I hadn't done it pretty much ever before. And I knew that the only way to get good at it and get my own style going of abstract painting was to do it a lot. You did paint a still life of grapes. Um, grapefruits. No, grapes. Oh, grapes. Yeah, a couple years prior. Oh, my God. I totally forgot I did that. Yeah. That's so funny. That, I did. that was like the, the tipping point. I was point. so proud of it. Do you remember? I oh, texted you a photo. Your mom has it, right? Yeah, my mom yeah, has it. Yeah, because when we moved, that was one of the she things. She was like, don't you get rid of your Unfortunately, art. Unfortunately, no one bought the grape painting Nobody got the their... big cell of 2015. Yeah, but you know what? Now that I'm a super famous artist, <laughs> that thing it's would go for a, work. a ton That's on an original eBay. work. I know. Wow. So in 2016, I thought, okay, I'll do a different um, acrylic abstract painting every day. I'll do some hand lettering on it. And I did... I didn't do it for the entire year. I did it for 280 days straight, though. So I think that's – I did it. Yep. Um, and I gave myself, yeah, just a different one every day. And so I didn't give myself necessarily a time frame on when to do it. Usually it was about an hour that I created it. However, knowing that I had the deadline of having to post it that day on Instagram and then having to do another one the next day, that helped me just get it out the door. And I haven't – I haven't – I've tried to do similar things since without – having such a hard constraint on it of saying a day and it hasn't worked as effectively, yeah. which yeah. is funny. Do you remember back to the beginning of that project on what it was like going, I want to do this thing. I'm setting a constraint or a deadline or a limitation for myself and I'm nervous or I feel maybe like I'm going to be putting not great quality workout because I'm just starting this thing. Do you remember what that was like? Um, well, I remember making the decision to publicly share my idea to do this, and that was really scary because I was afraid I was setting myself up for failure. I thought, what if I miss a day or what if I don't fall through on this? Are people going to think I'm a flake or whatever? But I was like, you know what? Just do it. Like, who cares if if you don't follow through on the whole year, which I ended up not, it'll be okay, and it totally was. Um, but as far as putting it up every day, oh, yeah, and there were some days where I did not like the piece at all. But by the time, I would say about after about 30 days into it, even though I had done it enough times that I realized that even if I didn't like the piece, I get to do another one tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I get to start over all again tomorrow. And we talk about this a lot, which is when we talk about quantity of work and consistency, which is that when you put out that amount of work that consistently, you realize that the fear kind of gets like dispersed over the entire body of work. So it becomes less scary than just saying, I'm going to do one painting a year. And so I would feel so afraid to share that one painting because everyone would judge me on that one painting versus you can just judge me on the whole body of work that I put out that year or over the course of now my entire career. And so that doesn't feel scary anymore. If you like visual metaphors, which we do on this show, here's your visual metaphor. Yes. When you're getting started mm -hmm. and you have an idea or something you want to create or put mm -hmm. out into the world, mm -hmm. fear is. is like sitting next to you in a smart car. There's barely any back seat. It's certainly not in the back seat. It's in the front seat. It's almost in your lap. It's sort of it's like cartoony, like folded up, up against, against the, the that's how windshield. close you and fear are, and how much you think about fear. Hundred percent. But here's what happens: the fear after you continue to publish, you continue to create, you continue to put things out into the world using your constraints, deadlines, and limitations. 
the smart car gets a little bit longer hmm. and it becomes like a 1982 Ford Taurus. And there's a back seat that's very roomy. Spacious. That you can sit in. Or a Toyota Avalon. And then all of a sudden, the, it becomes like a stretch limousine. Mm. And you can kind of put the little divider window up and down to block and you're, fear out. You're like, fear, you're in the car, but I can't hear you. But when you get to 280 straight days of making art, or in my case, when you get to 889 straight days of filming YouTube videos, hosting a live video show and doing that for my Iria shirt business... Fear is like a triple length bus where Semi-truck. it's all the way in the back. Yeah, it's there. But and there's no way that fear can even get to the front of the bus and talk to you because you just there's so many seats. that Plus it would have at to this navigate. point, you're going so fast. You're flying down that Can't highway. Can't even get down there. Can't even get to the front of the bus. Bam, high, slow, or what do I call it? Soft We're five. on elbows this episode. El- elbow five. So I think constraints, limitations, and deadlines are so important for creative yeah. people especially. But I think it also relates to... People who are just trying to seek some type of hobby or seek some type of thing. And it's it's this wonderful idea of I only have this amount of time mm-hmm. or I only have this amount of resources. resources. And I think about that for a lot of the stuff that we create. And, and I even look to both of my books that I've now written. And I'm pretty much done with the second book now. Uh, but the first draft of a book is very difficult mm-hmm. because it's just getting all of your thoughts down. And now nonfiction and fiction are very different writing animals. I've only written two nonfiction books. But I both times gave myself two weeks to write. Which is pretty crazy for most and, people. And that's crazy for most people because I think most people go, I'm just going to write a first draft. We'll see how long it takes me. Right. As opposed to going, no, no, I have this amount of time. It's just the first draft. There's going to be iterations, second, third, fourth drafts. But I have to get the first one done. Yeah. And I think for so many people, they don't get fill in the blank of whatever their nonfiction book is done because it's a never ending open schedule to create the thing. I think it's the schedule. But I think what's interesting as you're just saying that to me is it forces your brain to shift priorities. So when you set that constraint, your brain now goes, the number one priority is for me to finish Mm -hmm. this first pass. However, most people, if they don't set a constraint, their number one priority is perfecting every, making it good, right? They're, they're They're not prioritizing completion. They're prioritizing quality at the wrong part of the process. Yep. So I think especially in the beginning, if you prioritize just getting that first draft done using constraints, that can be really powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's, the phrase is very simple and we've all heard it, but done is better than perfect. 100%. And there are so few people who are creating anything that is of any close quality to perfect that that phrase doesn't apply to. The rest of us, it's just to get the thing done. And right. It's to do our best. And I think for us, as we... I think we become known as people who can create a lot of things Mm -hmm. and we can put a lot of stuff out into the world. And the only reason that that happens is because we've sharpened this tool that we have where we both ran a weekly newsletter separately um, for many years. Mm -hmm. And every single week we had to publish a new thing. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people that could feel daunting. But guess what? If you know that that's the schedule and you know that you want to stick to that because consistency matters and getting started Mm -hmm. is one of the best things you can do to get started is to be consistent and to show up constantly and whatever it is that you're doing, then you know, guess what? I'm not going to make this next newsletter article or whatever I'm publishing every week perfect or Mm -hmm. video or podcast or anything. I just need to get it done Mm -hmm. because I'm going to get better and Mm -hmm. I'm going to improve. And you just have to know that because that is just human nature. Mm -hmm. We need the habitual act over and over again to get better at things. And it's just it's one of those things I think it's really hard to tell somebody who's at the very beginning of their journey. But as people who have been at the beginning of many of these journeys, for me, I just see it coming up constantly over and over again. Yeah. One of my favorite things uh, kind of in that same vein, speaking of the newsletter, when trying to complete tasks like that is what's the best newsletter I can create in one hour? Yeah. 
And I think about this a lot with our workshop stuff because you and I, first of all, I love to teach and you also have such a wealth of information and experience that you and I could spend so long coming up with these slides and curriculums and things that we want to teach people. And we've we've done it imperfectly enough times and spent way too long on doing things enough times to where now we have that constraint mindset where it's like, what can I do in the next three days? What's the best workshop that I can create? What's the best curriculum I can create in the next three days? Because guess what? We have a workshop on Tuesday and we already told people that it's coming. And so we kind of do that to ourselves as well. Is we yep. just sort of put the cart before the horse. Oh, that's a metaphor Going throwback. back to our wagon conversation. Metaphor throwback. Ladies and if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to the authenticity episode. And so we kind of put the cart before the horse on purpose because then it gives us that that built-in constraint to create the thing. I, I One of the things where... I see constraints being so important that I want to kind of pivot to is social media usage. Uh-huh. And I think a couple of years ago, it was very hard to know how much time you were spending in these apps. Mm-hmm. And so, or on Facebook uh, all day or whatever. But now our phones all have screen time apps built in. There are apps that people have built, like Moment is one of them. Mm-hmm. And you get told by your phone how much time you're spending slash wasting. Yeah. And I think it's really scary for people to acknowledge and be honest about how much time they have wasted and that they could have put that towards their goals, their dreams, their family, uh, their health, any of these other things, instead of just scrolling mindlessly through stuff that fills a gap in your day or in your life. And I think for me, when I did my first social media detox in 2014, yeah. Coming off of that, I realized I want to control my usage of these apps. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to set a limitation for myself every day that for me, really, it was just Instagram was Mm -hmm. the thing where I would spend the most time. And I'm going to check that in the morning Mm -hmm. and I'm going to check that in the afternoon at some point. But I basically get two times to check it throughout the day and that's it. Yeah. And other than that, I'm not picking up my phone to scroll through it to waste time. I'm setting those limitations. And then it makes me more mindful when I'm using it because I go... I don't want to be on this thing for an hour. Like right. I'm not going to use my phone for that long. But okay, cool. I'm in the morning. Like I can check stuff. I can like yeah. stuff. I can scroll through. And then when I'm done, it makes me feel like this thing is not going to pull my attention back to it until I know that I can check it later in the day. And guess what? Here's the magical thing that has happened since that first social media detox and me setting these constraints. Sometimes I check Instagram once a day. Sometimes I forget to check it at all. 100%. So that was going to be my next thing, which is that has rubbed off on me as well when you did the detox thing and both. And also to be completely honest, it was that 2016 project where I was checking it constantly every single day. And I was looking for the amount of likes on every single piece that I would post. And I was looking to it for validation of my art. And I got so exhausted with looking for approval from other people that I finally was like, I actually don't like the way it makes me feel to be here. And so I've throttled way, way back, like almost to the point where people are like, um, you haven't been posting a lot lately, like what's up? And I'm like, I just don't like it ruling my life anymore. So for me, it's not only the time suck, it's the attention suck and it's the self-esteem suck. Like if I'm using it to become now my metric of if my art is good or if I'm a good artist or if I'm a good content creator, to me, that's a very dangerous kind of place to be in. But going back to what you were saying, thankfully, I recognized that the, the scales were kind of tipping in the wrong direction during that project. And I throttled way back and became way more intentional about it. And now I don't even really need to think about it because like you said, I probably check it in the morning. It's like my way that I wake up with my one eye open kind of wakes me up into the world, maybe throughout the day, once or twice, and then at night, I'll check it. But the second that I get into that place where I'm I'm refreshing the likes to see, oh, have more people liked this or whatever, that's when I go, I now have trained my brain to go like, this is bad territory for me to be in. So actually, I just choose not to like 
look at it at all. And some people I feel kind of guilty because people will share. This happens to me a lot now with Instagram stories. People will mention me in stories and I won't have checked my DMs for over 24 hours. So they all disappear. So it's always me constantly going, sorry, I didn't see this. Sorry, I didn't see this. Sorry, I didn't see this. They disappear. Sorry, they didn't see this. But that's kind of the apology I'm willing to make for the trade-off of it not controlling my life. Yeah, I just think that there are so many people who, and I don't mean to generalize, I don't mean to call people out specifically, although I kind of do, people who are like, I don't have enough enough time in the day to do this thing. Especially some of those things are start your day off in a way that you want. Yeah, People are like, I don't have five to 10 minutes to myself every morning. To like journal, I can't meditate. Uh, Yeah, you do. You just don't make the time. Yeah, And I think that if you can embrace constraining yourself to different amounts of social media use, mm-hmm. uh, different amounts of other things in your life where you know you waste time, Netflix, playing video games, uh, going out with friends, like whatever those things are, you gain hours back that you never would have had before that mm-hmm. you can apply to things that make your life better. So I think that is really great advice for people who need to create more and work more and do the things that they keep saying they want to do. I will also lob out there the other side of the coin which is that if you're on the opposite end of that spectrum and you're like us where you're you're a super producer and you're working 24 7 i would also say that constraints are really powerful for you as well in order to because i think being an entrepreneur you can work whenever you want right you can work weekends you can work nights and we saw this with building wandering aimfully and then lo and behold i get shingles and it's because part of it was i didn't create constraints for myself in order to say Like we wanted to create the best thing we possibly could in the amount of time that we gave ourselves. So that was great. But which, by the way, started out as five weeks and ended up being five months. (laughs) Yeah. But by not constraining my schedule, I ended up being overworked. And so now something that I'm doing in kind of recovering from that mindset is I'm trying right now not to work nights. I'm trying to give myself the space to watch Netflix, to really just like chill out. And so I kind of am like on the other side of that spectrum where it's like, Every time my screen time pops up and it's like, you've been watching two hours of Netflix. I'm like, great. I'm working. I'm doing <laughs> doing awesome. But, um, you know, so another point that I wanted to bring up with that is if that's something you, that you're trying to do, it also forces you to kind of prioritize. So one example that we had talked about is we know exactly in Wandering Aimfully what our priorities are in terms of marketing. And so sometimes our social media marketing, I'll go a week and I'm not able to create the content that I wanted to create because that's the last thing on our list. And if you know, five o'clock rolls around and we go take plaques for a walk. I know that I could stay up later and have a couple hours and create all the content for that week. But I have told myself that I want to prioritize my restfulness and my balance instead. And that's a constraint. That's a boundary that I set for myself. So guess what? I'm going to chill instead. And as much as sort of like as uncomfortable as that is for me, because I know that I could be doing more, especially when we come off of a launch where it didn't do as well as, as we wanted to, it can be really, really hard to sit in that constraint and to choose the thing that you know is not to be productive. But it also just goes back to what kind of life do you want to live? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about the opportunity cost too, right? And and you may think to yourself, well, if I just work two more hours, there are more opportunities are going to come to me. And that's potentially true. But what is the ripple effect of those two hours long term? And when you get shingles for two months and you pay for it in three months of time where you have no productivity, yeah. were the couple of hours that I eked out here and there on a day-to-day basis for five months, do, do I really think that that was worth the physical, mental, emotional toll that three months of having to recover from this illness took? Yeah. Or land, how many entrepreneurs have we heard the story of landing themselves in the hospital? Oh my gosh. Or doctors telling them that they're making themselves sick or having terrible anxiety or panic attacks. Like, 
that ripple effect and that opportunity cost is so much worse than setting those constraints and those boundaries up front. What would you say to someone who might be an overproducer like us, but maybe their business isn't making as much revenue as they want or maybe even need to sustain their lives? And the only way they see to get there is I have to be making more stuff. So I can't work less hours because I'm not making the money I want to be making. I would first tell them to take a hard look at their efficiency like not working more time or creating more things, but actually going line by line, the things they're producing and the revenue streams that they're trying to set up and actually evaluating them on an efficiency level. Like, do you think that you just need to work more or is it that you're trying, you don't really know what you need to be doing. So you're spreading yourself thin because I would argue that if you're doing, let's say like 20 different tactics, that if you took the time to evaluate them tactic by tactic by tactic in terms of what's actually working and bringing you revenue, you could narrow that down to five, do those really well. And you might find yourself in a different position. Yeah, we have, if if anybody wants some practical stuff to take away from this, we did a challenge in September called Back to Business Basics. And in that, there are two specific things that I would call out that I think would be really helpful for people listening to this that have been helpful for us. That's why I recommend them. One is the time tracking uh, portion of that, the exercise. And it's basically, it confronts you with what your day looks like every day. And if you actually write down in a journal the hours, and we did, I think, in 30-minute blocks, um, what you're spending your time on, it can really show you like, oh, you know what? I am spending maybe three to four hours working, but I'm filling the rest of that time by browsing Reddit or going on YouTube or watching Netflix or like any of these other things. And I'm actually a lot more distracted than I thought I was. And the other part of that uh, back to business basics um, post that has another exercise that I think would be really helpful for people is the revenue evaluation spreadsheet. And it's basically for people like us and people maybe like you listen, it's where you have a couple of different things you've created. You can put them in this sheet You can rate them by the amount of hours you spend on them per month. You can rate them by the amount of revenue they generate based on those hours. And then there's one more part of that, which is how much value does it bring you to work on those things? And I think so often we get stuck working on stuff that we created a year or two ago. It like traps us. Mm -hmm. It it actually constrains us from being able to move forward because we feel like we have to keep working Mm -hmm. on it. In which case, we need to give ourselves the permission to acknowledge that Maybe it's not generating very much revenue, but it takes a crap load of time and we really don't enjoy working on it. Guess what? Cut it. You got to quit that thing. Yeah. I Even just having you say that, I was thinking to myself, you could even use that same exercise we give people and evaluate not just revenue streams, but marketing tactics. So yep. what are the things that you're spending the most time on? And do you believe that they're bringing you a return in terms of your investment? And I know sometimes it's harder with social media and stuff like that, but it's like dive into those Instagram analytics and see, wait a second, 10 people click through to my website. Now follow up with those people, follow up with the people who have purchased from you and say, hey, where did you find us? You know, it's like putting a couple things in place to be able to see what the efficiency lies, which is what we're always trying to do. But really get get honest with yourself and say, am I spending all this time on social media just so that people think my business is successful and I think I have to be there? Or is it actually bringing revenue to my business? And one of the things that I think we came, we were confronted with in our own business. And again, most of these conversations come from realizations that we've had for our own business. So it's not just stuff that we're just touting because we think it's important. But on the specifically on the marketing example you gave, someone might try to fill out that sheet and only write social media as marketing. Right. In which case you realize like, oh, 
I need to diversify and I need to do other things. And I think for us, that's very much what we realized when we had this conversation of we don't do outward marketing. Yeah. We very much have built an audience that we rely on and we have some social media stuff that we do, not a lot. And that's it. Yeah. And we need to do more than that because our business isn't at the place where we want it to be and it's not growing at the rate we want it to or grow. Or we're doing that plus content marketing. But it's like if that content is not then converting to a sale down the road, then we have to reevaluate that. Yeah. And so I just think it's really important when you look at constraints, deadlines and limitations to see them as opportunities to have you produce more efficiently to have you just continue to publish if you may be afraid to publish or you don't you don't publish on a regular basis mm -hmm. and also to realize that specifically for deadlines and all these things those are arbitrary and that you've probably made those things up and while it's good to have a starting point like we did with five weeks mm -hmm. of building it didn't end up being that and that was okay yeah and we could have really beaten ourselves up about yeah, you have to balance it right totally. like set the constraint but then allow yourself the flexibility to work life into it um, and I know we've talked a lot about time constraints and time limitations, but another thing that I want to let people know about is whenever you're creating anything, you can also give yourself limitations on what you can use in order to create that thing. So what I mean by that is a lot of times when it comes to creation, the thing that like we're afraid of the most is just the blank page, right? Mm -hmm. Like where do I begin a blog post? Like what do I write it about? Or, give yourself limitations. Okay. You can only write 500 words, yep. um, you know, beyond time. Okay. You can only write about these three subjects for the next two months. Like whatever those, those rules are giving yourself those rules might actually make you more creative. Whoa. Just I was waiting for that because I thought we were getting pretty close. And then you talked about time and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just, this is just so metaphor perfect. within a metaphor within a metaphor. All right. Well, we give ourselves constraints, constraints and deadlines and we stick to them. But, you know, what we don't stick to not knowing things, which is why we have a segment called we Googled that for you. Extremely dun, loose dun, time. Dun, dun, Extremely dun, loose enter time. Enter the theme song. We don't have one yet. All right. We Googled that for you. If you don't know already, it's where one person Googles something, brings it to the other person. They probably don't know the answer. They get to talk about it, and then we give the real answer. Now, Caroline, this week on Wagook Defeat, everyone's favorite segment. By the way, my track record podcast. on your Wagook Defeat is, is bad. Is mine good? I just think sometimes you get it kind of close. I think my extremely weird answers just make you happy. Okay. And so you think that they, <laughs> they're not right. But they're Well, just... I just mean yours recently have been like trivia, and I've just been like way off. Yeah. So here's a question for you. Okay. When an earthworm gets cut in half, what happens to the halves? The head half grows a tail. Well, that didn't answer my question. What the, happens to the halves? They they, grow, they go back together. They find each other. They get back together. So you have two halves. I feel like I know this. What happens to each half? I'm going to repeat what I just said because I feel right. like I'm answering the question. But you're only addressing 50% of the question. Okay. What happens to the halves? Thank you. Okay. They, the head half. Yes. Grows a tail. Uh-huh. The tail half dies. Also grows a head? No. <laughs> Don't tell me. Give me the final answer. I need your, this is my Regis Philbin moment. Okay. I can't, that, that can't be right. How would it get a brain? The head half grows a tail. Okay. The tail half dies. Final answer? Yeah. Correct. What? Bop, 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 bop. Confetti emoji, confetti emoji, confetti emoji. You got it correct. Dun, 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 I dun, actually dun, dun, am dun, one dun. of those people who had the misconception that when an earthworm is cut in half, it becomes two earthworms. How would it get a brain? That's what got me. That's How the would the tail get the brain? So earthworms do not become two worms when cut in half. Only a limited number 
of earthworm species are actually capable of anterior regeneration, as it's called. Anterior. When such earthworms are bisected, only the front half of the worm, where the mouth is located, not the brain, can feed and survive while the other half dies. That's why. That's why. That's why. I think there's something to the whole brain thing as well, though. It doesn't say that in here. It literally just says Imagine just a tail. Does the earthworm have a brain? Oh. Gosh, hold on. We Googled that for you, part two. Does, Wait, it has to have a brain. Hold on, I'll do it real quick. Does an earthworm... Do all living things have brains? First first answer here in, in Google. Guys, They're either listening or they know. I don't know anything. Thinking and feeling. Worms have a brain that connects with nerves from their skin and muscles. Their nerves can detect light, vibrations, and even some tastes, and the muscles of their bodies make movements in response. Breathing. Worms breathe air in and carbon dioxide out like us, but they don't have lungs. What? How do worms like breathe? Blood. Oh, my gosh. Because isn't your blood system turns oxygen into carbon dioxide? Yes. Wow. We could really go down a rabbit hole of earthworm Quick knowledge. other question. Did you do play earthworm gym? Things... You were going to ask me that question, too? Do all living things have brains? Wow. Because, well, I mean, all bets are off now that I know not all living things have lungs. Oh, my gosh. We're going to be... all this, living things This have is brains? the problem with Wigoog Defeat, though, is that Just one we quick don't one. normally do this. Do all... Um, let me... Let's see. Do living... you know? No, I have no idea. Do all like, living things have DNA? Have do all living things need water? Do all living things have cells? Do all living things... All, there are, all living things have DNA. There are definitely people who right? have a brain. Guys, I don't know anything. I need to go back to science class. I, I do think there are some smart people listening to this, especially like biologists. That are like, people that are like, you idiots. We have a large biologist contingent Well, well we listeners. at least have Danny Ives. And if Danny Ives listens to this episode, she's just rolling around in her chair. The exceptions to all living things having brains are... Sea sponges, which are rather like a loose collection of cells. Jellyfish. Don't have brains? Don't have brains. They can sense movement, but... With what? Just their organized cellular networks. I think that's a brain. I think but it doesn't not... look like a brain, but like it operates the same, so I think it should be a brain. So technically... All living things are brains. We're Googling things for you today. Earthworms. The, the half with the mouth... Survives. Sometimes regenerates. Sometimes in certain species. The tail dies. withers away and dies. Sorry, tail. Sorry, tail. Um, earthworms as a whole have a brain. Have a brain. But no lungs. But no lungs. They breathe just like we do. And all living species, with exception to sea sponges and, and jellyfish, jellyfish, have brains. Depending on your definition of a brain, I would argue that despite not having something that looks like a brain, if you have something that senses movement in a network of like Connected sensory tissues, then there's a brain. I, I want to say that to me, in my mind, this is the best Wagoog defeat we've, we've had. ever had. I think people are going to walk away from this like, guys, you've changed my life. I agree. My earthworm I don't think that's an exaggeration. through the roof. Through the roof. I feel so, I don't even I'm know gonna, what this episode is I'm going to nail this interview tomorrow. I don't care <laughs> at all about what you said in this episode. Nothing was important except for the earthworm part. I think that. That's how I feel. I feel a little bit like I don't know who I am anymore because I right. got the answer. That's amazing, especially because you were giving yourself crap in the beginning. I know. Wow, foreshadowing. This whole episode is an episode within an episode. That's the opposite of the definition of foreshadowing. Wow. Yeah. You're like telepathic or something. Psychic. Got it. All right. That's it for this episode of Wandering Infly, the show. We love your faces. Thank you so much for watching. We hope you like the shorter format. If you do, please let us know so that we can keep doing it. If you want it to be even shorter, maybe we could dwindle it down into like a two-minute podcast. (laughs) We don't even talk fast. You just talk and it just cuts off. It just (laughs) ends. Based on the fact that I'm so long-winded, you would get about a half of a thought. That'd be kind of a funny idea for a podcast is to record like an hour-long episode. But then just literally cut it at two minutes, every two minutes. So you just have to keep listening to every episode 
Oh, I bet growth some hacks. stupid growth, growth hacker hacks. would do that. All right, don't do that. That don't sounds do that. sleazy. All right, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.